Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 83 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. And of course, RV Miles is all across social media. Just search RV Miles. And then Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, Henry, and Wanderbus, are at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we too are all across the social medias. Just search Our Wandering Family. On this week's episode, we've got two big topics for you and a whole lot of news. But we're going to talk about the campground of the future. What does the campground (laughs) of the future look like? We'll have ideas about that later. (laughs) Before we even jump into this. It made Abby silent. Look at that. It did. You know what? Part of it is because you and I have our backs to each other to film this This podcast. We're not filming. There's no. We're not filming. (laughs) I can't. To record this podcast because of how we are set up. We are recording from my brother's office and this is just the way it has to be. And it's really throwing me off because I cannot really tell when you're done with your sentence. (laughs) So I'm trying to feel you. So I was left speechless. And then by the time I realized I... It was just too late to jump in. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about our experiences at the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park, halfway between Austin and uh, San Antonio, Texas. And, oh, man, we had just such a great time. Really unexpected location. And not what I thought I was going to get out of my time there. And I really liked it. I'm glad that we made the drive because it was a bit of a drive from our campground. But I'm glad that we decided to do it because it was absolutely worth it. All that plus a new brain teaser and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. We are coming to you this week from the absolutely frigid, once again, (laughs) the tundra, (laughs) Dallas, Fort Worth area. Uh, We're actually in Arlington, Texas, which is halfway in between the two. A stone's throw from the the Cowboys AT&T Stadium and the Texas Rangers Stadium. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> I don't why know. is it so cold? Well, OK, so and we were going to be further south. We were going to head over to Big Bend and yes. make a big loop around Texas. But we had an opportunity for a big family reunion kind of event that's going to happen here. And uh, and we didn't want to pass it up. Abby is going to get to meet an uncle that she didn't know about all her life. (laughs) I didn't. Wow. Talk about a TLDR. I'm not even going to get into it, (laughs) but this is very exciting. I do. I have an uncle and all of his family that we are all going to get to meet for the first time this weekend. And it just seemed that while we have been just chomping at the bit to get to Big Bend, this was something that I just 
couldn't pass up, especially knowing that my mom and dad are coming here. I've got my brother and soon to be a sister-in-law here. And you know what, Dallas, bring that cold weather. You can't keep us from coming back. (laughs) I'm just saying. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend and to adding to our already very large and loving family. All right. We have a ton of news to cover this week. So let's dive right into that. First of all, the January sales figures, the the dealer delivery, these are RVs that dealers have bought from the manufacturers to put on their lots are out. And this year, this January, 40% down over last January. And the last six months or so, all down, 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 down. But I think before we all start thinking, oh, it's going to slow down out there. Let's remember that those numbers from last year were just off the charts. They were off the charts. skyrocketing. Yeah, there was this climb that's been happening in the industry for a while now that just wasn't sustainable. So it does not surprise me that we're leveling off and dipping because those kind of numbers, they just what we were seeing last year. That's just that can't keep going. It can't keep happening. It can't. Um, A lot of people are concerned. They're starting to get a little bit concerned in the industry. There are some shining spots, however, class B's as they have been for the last couple of years, class B's are selling like hotcakes. Still, people are downsizing, getting into smaller RVs and and, in these Sprinter vans and these Fords and traveling the country. Like we talked about last week, though, too, Go RVing has no intention of slowing down their push for this industry. We talked about how they're just getting ready to roll out this massive multi-million dollar ad campaign that's going to start with RVX that's happening next week. So while it may seem that the sales are down or the request for RVs is down from the dealers, I think that we might see that number tick up a little bit after Go RVing's major campaign kicks in. That's right. And RVX is the big trade show, the the industry only trade show. First time they're really doing this event happening in Salt Lake City. And we are getting a glimpses at some of the products that are going to be released at that event. And we wanted to highlight a couple of things that we're hearing about. The first one is Rev Group or REV Group. They produce 29 brands like American Coach and Monaco and Holiday Rambler, Fleetwood RV, Renegade RV. Uh, they own Lance. Anyway, they are coming out with a a new package for some of their RVs called the renew edition package. And this is a, this is sort of like an upgrade package that is really meant for off-grid explorers. And this is kind of the first time I'm seeing some of these features put into a package coming from the manufacturer. Before you jump into this, can you guess on this list of things that's going to be things that will be in this edition package that I am Super excited about. Yeah, I know the number one. Do you? The toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get that compost toilet in there. <laughs> so I'm so excited about that. The, Welcome. The renew edition uh, for the Pace Arrow. They're, they're going to put this renew edition on both the Pace Arrow uh, Class A diesel and the Class A gas flare. The Pace Arrow will, inc- will include a Wi-Fi Ranger with cell booster, a uh, four 265 watt solar panels with a 2000 watt pure sign inverter, four lithium batteries, a nature's head composting toilet, golf clap, 
5% additional tinting for added privacy and heat reduction. You'd be surprised how much that tinting really helps keep the heat down. I wouldn't be surprised because I wish we had it. (laughs) An external pet station. I don't know what that is, but it sounds interesting. I don't know if it's going to be like to wash your pet, to water your pet, to enclose your pet. I don't know. I feel like it's to enclose your pet. Is there like an external kid station? Because I would be down for that too. This one, I really, this one, every RV should have a backpack storage compartment in the bedroom. We have like nine backpacks, right? We have way too many. We And we have just installed a whole bunch of hooks to, to put our backpacks up to get them out of the way. But there's no place in many RVs for things like backpacks, things like shoes. They don't put places for shoes in RVs. They don't they put do? places for laundry in RVs. Okay, here's the thing. They do, but they only believe that you own one pair of shoes between like the four of you. Right. So it's, they think you're all sharing a pair of shoes so you can put (laughs) which doesn't make any sense so most families most individuals on the road will have at least two pairs of shoes by our new rv sleeps 12 holds two shoes (laughs) right (laughs) and no space for backpacks so that's that's my second favorite thing on the list is the backpack storage i mean i absolutely love all the different hooks that we have around wanderbus and they serve tons of purposes i'm curious what this backpack storage yeah, compartment what is it? looks like what is, is it, it a drawer <laughs> that you lay the backpack flat into and then you just close it up because that never happens once you put stuff in a backpack it doesn't matter what that stuff is there will always be something in the backpack yeah, it's gotta be full it never it never empties out even if it's just chapstick there's still chapstick in there it that's just, where we find our missing chapstick this is, yes this is where i keep buying chapstick because i can't find my chapstick anyway I, yes the the features of the flare renew edition will include the wi-fi ranger self booster an energy management system two 175 watt solar panels lithium batteries a collision avoidance system uh, upgraded suspension and stabilization the flare also includes a bike rack in this edition hey at now. the rear of the coach and uh and they'll both have badging on the exterior and stitched into into the seats uh the price the price for the upgrade the price for the upgrade is going to range between seven and twelve thousand dollars depending on what you get and which model just a little bit of change also at rvx the thetford corporation and they they produce toilets and refrigerators Guys, this the stuff that, that nobody gets super excited about, except for everybody. Abby. Yes, <laughs> everybody needs a toilet. Everybody needs a refrigerator. The Thetford Corporation is going to be releasing at RVX a DC compressor fridge, a ten cubic foot, the ten DC is what it's called, the Polar Ten DC. You know, most RVs come with a gas absorption fridge, which runs off of propane and 110 volt power. Sometimes they're a three-way fridge and they run off DC power as well. But a lot of people are switching now to residential fridges, compressor fridges, just like you plug in at your home that run off of only 110 volt DC and they're running them off their inverters. The reason people like doing this is you get so much more room inside that refrigerator and you don't have to worry about using propane if you don't want to a lot of people are nervous about that or a lot of people would rather are plugged in anyway they don't care about that 
and they just have rather have that extra space. Well, DC, a DC compressor fridge is going to have the best of both worlds because it's going to give you that additional space. Plus, you'll be able to run it off a of DC power instead of 110 volt AC, meaning you can run it off your batteries without using your inverter. Your inverter wastes additional electricity. So this is going to be super convenient for a lot of RVers. The best thing about it, though, is that it's a 10 cubic foot fridge, which is what we have. Ours is a residential 10 cubic foot fridge, and it's we call it a three quarter size fridge. Fridge. We call it an apartment refrigerator. <laughs> it's, apartment yeah, fridge. it's an apartment size fridge. Uh, but this fridge, this 10 cubic foot fridge, will fit in the standard eight cubic foot slot that exists in most RVs with that smaller refrigerator. You just get the extra space, it slides right in. I think that's going to be really, really interesting product. I really like it. I cannot wait to see it because one of their bullet points was modern residential styling i would like to know what that means yeah yeah it's also got you know the the rv mounting it's got shock absorption that sort of stuff that doesn't exist when you put a residential fridge from you know home depot oh, into your rv <laughs> we know <laughs> ours is taking a little bit of a beating yes or and everything inside of guy. it takes a little <laughs> bit of a beating too when we're driving down the road next in the news thousand trails campgrounds are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year this was new to me news happy birthday thousand trails happy birthday we've never stayed in a thousand trails don't know much about them other than a lot of people like to join their membership and camp solely in thousand trails because it's it's a decent price to have annual membership access to either their different regions or across the country so good on you thousand trails finally in the news forest river brands are introducing a digital owner's manual app. They're ditching the paper maps and giving you an app with a digital owner's manual. Force River is the second largest manufacturer of RVs in the country, and they cover a whole lot of different brands. So check that out in all of our news stories in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash podcast. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser, and we're going to talk a little bit about getting your RV ready for the spring. Because the camping season is soon to be upon us. We'll be right back. Be right back. back with the answer to last week's brain teaser sponsored by the FMCA. From motorhomes, travel trailers, fifth wheels, bus conversions, and more, FMCA is here to enhance your RV lifestyle. For as little as $5 a month, you can travel with peace of mind knowing FMCA has your back. Get connected with like-minded RVers on their Facebook page, forums, at conventions and events. Deals and discounts include RV insurance, roadside rescue and tire saving programs, and their medical emergency and travel assistance program is included free. A yearly membership is only $60, but RV Miles listeners can save 10 bucks with code RVMILES19. 
Just visit fmca.com and enter RV Miles 19 or click the link in the show notes. We want to remind you that the FMCA's 99th convention, Peachy and Perry in Perry, Georgia, is opening March 13th. And our friend Mark Walker, who is one of our uh, one of our blog writers, will be there and he's going to write about his experience a little bit. And uh, I hope his experience will include peach cobbler. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Every too. time I hear Peachy and Perry, I want peach cobbler. <laughs> they have all kinds of things to to explore at the FMCA conventions. They have products that you might need for your RV. You can tour the latest RVs. You can go to over 100 seminars. You can participate in entertainment and meet old friends, make new ones. It's a really great experience. We also want to mention that registration is open for Minot Magic, the 100th FMCA convention happening in Minot, North Dakota this August. And we will be there and we hope some of you will join us too and let us know because we'd like to have a, a little meetup. We're going to do a podcast episode from there and we're actually going to spend the whole month of August in North Dakota doing a whole lot of stuff. It's going to be, gonna be wild. So my not this year is happening August 14th through the 16th. And we do really hope you will come up there and join us. All right, let's do the answer to last week's brain teaser. This one was a fun one. We got we got a lot of answers and they were mostly right. And I think people really had a good time with this one. Find out what these animals are. And what I did was I gave you a series of words and you were supposed to turn them into an animal. For example, to run away or escape could mean flee, right? So number one was hair control foam. Hair control foam is a moose. Very exposed, a bear. You're bear. You're very exposed. Telling falsities is a lion. You lion. A lion, lion. <laughs> a lamenting cry is a whale. A dull person is a boar. A precious or loved one is a deer, of course. First, you get a parking ticket, then you get this. This one, I think this one got a few people. First, you get a parking ticket, then you get towed. You get towed. A toad. Especially if you're in Chicago. <laughs> and then finally, these make up a chain. This was another hard one. The answer was links. A links. The winner this week is Chuck Tracy from Florida, who will receive Not All Who Wander Our Lost t shirt. And you'll have a chance to win yours with the new brain teaser at the end of the show. All right, let's talk dewinterizing and getting your RV ready for the spring. Isn't it nice that we can finally start talking about this? Isn't it? We're not going to go through like everything that you need to do here. Uh, we just kind of want to point out that we have an article that we put together last year covering dewinterizing and getting your RV ready for the spring. If you want to hear a really detailed breakdown, you can pop over to episode 35, which we did uh, the spring RV way back, way back when, when we were just young things. Uh, you can hear all about that there. And we also talk about on that episode, one of our favorite places in New Mexico, which was the Gila Cliff Dwellings National Monument. But some of the things that we want to remind you to do, and we'll just kind of give you the bullet points, getting ready for the spring camping season. First of all, you're going to want to inspect and maintain your roof. It's always important after the winter to get up there, especially if you're in exposed storage and make sure your roof is in good condition and to patch any caulk that's breaking off, anything like that, get some new sealant 
up there. You're going to want to maintain your batteries. Check out what kind of charge they're holding. If you weren't charging them all winter, you might be in the market for some new ones. Make sure they're holding their, their charge and make sure you hook them up correctly. Inspect the interior. Look around for signs of, of rodents, anything like that. Make sure you don't have any leaks. Make sure it's everything is operable for the camping season. Turn that fridge on. Get it working. Try to run your microwave. All the stuff that you would possibly need when you're out camping. Do that at home or in your storage area so that you don't have to do it out on the road. Check all the seals on your slides. Apply slide lubrication. Follow your owner's manual's instructions and, and uh, lube those slide tracks and all the cables. And any other moving parts like your fold-out steps and door hinges, you want to lubricate that stuff as much as possible. If it's a motorhome, pop the hood and check for more creatures, fill the fluids, inspect the belts. This would be a good time for an oil change and a, and a grease job, all that annual maintenance stuff that needs to happen. Check your tow equipment for trailers and towed vehicles, inspect the hitch for rust and wear, and then check all your tires. Make sure that they're at the proper pressure, make sure there's no cracking, checking, make sure that you have the right amount of, of tread depth, all that important stuff. Cause you know what, there's nothing more important. And you know, we, we know this more than anybody. There's nothing more important than having good feet on the road with your tires. Boy, you just don't realize how good it is until you come close to not having any of it. Go for a spin. A lot of people don't take their RV out for a drive until they go camping in it. Make sure you get it out there on the road and make sure everything is going okay before you try to drive, you know, three, four, 500 miles and go camping. Make sure that you have everything ready so your, your camping weekend, your first one out there, isn't ruined. Check the propane system, get a spray bottle with soapy water and squirt it on all those lines and make sure that they're, they're not releasing any gas and then flush your fresh water system and sanitize. You're also gonna wanna make sure that you check your batteries and your smoke detector, your CO detector, your propane detector, and check to make sure fire extinguishers are working and ready to go. You know, fire extinguishers expire. You can't just keep the same fire extinguisher you've had in there for, for a decade. You wanna throw that out and put a new one in. So make sure you check all that sort of stuff. Do a little shakedown trip if you can. And if you want to check out this article that gives you a little bit more detail about all the things you can do to prep your RV for the spring camping season, go to the show notes at rvmiles.com slash podcast. It feels like a really long list, but it's a good list because it means that your RV is about to take you on some awesome adventures. Absolutely. I'm very excited to start hearing more from members of the RV Miles Facebook group as they start heading out for the season as well and just seeing where everyone's going and seeing the pictures. It's just one of my favorite times of year, this beginning of the real summer, like late spring, summer RV camping season, because everybody is just they're just so ready to go. So I'm glad we're talking about this and I just can't wait to hear more about it from people in the group. All right, Abby, are you ready to talk about the campground? Of the future. I have my George Jetson hat on and whatever that hat looks like. And I'm I'm ready to go. Bring <laughs> me my my hoverboards and I'm like Marty McFly over here. All right, but first this segment is sponsored by the standby 
phone and beverage holder. I am constantly fumbling around with my phone. You in guys my hear car. this week after week. All you the know time. It's a, you know it's an issue. And the standby. I'm not kidding. This is a sponsored ad, of course, but this really has saved me. I keep my phone in my standby beverage holder. And not only is it saving me from losing my phone and not having a place to put it, I'm always setting it on my knee in the car or in the bus when I'm running the GPS. And we even got an Instagram comment. Somebody was like, driver should be, I hit well, one. They called me driver, driver, driver should be careful on their cell phone while they're driving. And I wasn't on my cell phone. I just had, I had the GPS running and it was sitting on my knee. Now don't get all snippy. It was someone who was just very genuinely I'm snippy because they said driver. Okay. That's fine. But I was not as snippy as you were. I appreciate that people yeah. care about our family and care about well, our Well, I mean, it's true, though. Like, also, and having my phone on my knee is, isn't the greatest thing. Because if something happened, I might try to go for my phone, yeah, you know, just instinctively. You save. Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah, if something happens, I got to get my <laughs> Right. I'll make sure my iPhone's okay. <laughs> How can I play my online poker <laughs> if my my phone is broken? Anyway, the standby has really helped me with this. Not only keeping my phone handy and in the right spot when I'm driving, but when I'm walking around the campsite, when I'm rock, walking around the bus, but also it's keeping me drinking water. I'm drinking water all the time and I didn't before. And that's really good for me. And I should do that more. Yes, you should. <laughs> Thanks, Standby, for finally doing the thing that I have been encouraging Jason to do for like a decade of marriage. This three-in-one product holds your drink and your phone at the same time and can accommodate numerous drink sizes, making it perfect for your car, motorhome, golf cart, boat, stroller, or camp chair. No cup holder, no problem. Attach the removable foot, complete with condensation tray, and set it right at your table or desk. It even comes with a ground stake for the campsite or beach. Standby is durable, dishwasher safe, UV protected, and will always be made in the USA. Your cup holder needs an upgrade. Get the standby today by visiting stand-by.com. And for the month of March, you can save 20% off a standby with promo code SAVE, S-A-V-E. That's stand-bi.com and use promo code SAVE and save 20% for the month of March only. We'll provide a link to the website and promo code in the show notes. All right. So one of the things that's happening at this big RVX trade convention that we keep hearing about is KOA, Campgrounds of America, the biggest chain of campgrounds in the country. They are going to be presenting a booth entitled Campground of the Future. And this is sort of an experience that imagines what the campground of the future might be like because we know things are changing the world is changing technology is changing right now you can sit at your home and you can say hey alexa order me some more laundry detergent what would happen if you were sitting in a campground and said hey koa send me some more firewood you know what would happen i'd say hey koa send me some more firewood and then it would go i'm sorry i didn't catch that and then i'd go hey koa and i said i'm sorry can you repeat that? Because that's what Alexa does to me. <laughs> and then I finally just get angry and I say, I'll just do it myself. Or what? <laughs> that's what happened in the real world. Siri, she just doesn't like me. So when I try to talk to her, she she pretends like she doesn't hear me. So. All right. Fine. Try this on for size. 
I'm sorry, I'm squashing the campground of the future. I'm just a realist. We all know technology is changing the way we drive, and we all know self-driving cars are on their way. They're they're much closer than many people think. You know, Teslas can already, with their adaptive cruise control, they can pass a car in front of you without you touching the wheel. I can't get behind the driving cars. <laughs> well, imagine that you're in a self-driving motorhome and you're able to sit in the back of that motorhome while it's driving one day. You're able to get up from the driver's seat and go to the restroom. Well, I was about to say I'm already in a self-driving motorhome because I don't drive it. <laughs> so I already sit back and enjoy. So it's not really hard for me to imagine this. I'm sure for you, that sounds just amazing well, to so- not have to drive, wander bus and just, you know, sit back and arrive at your campground. Well, some of the things they're thinking about for for this exhibit are like, or what happens when that happens? When one day there are self-driving motorhomes, what do we do at campgrounds? Can the motorhome go right and, and park in your spot for you without you doing a thing and does all the hookups on its own and everything that might exist someday? I just have so many questions about that because what if you accidentally put the wrong campsite into like the navigation system of your RV and you arrive at the campground and you're like, la, 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 la. And you drive to a site that's got somebody already in it. Does your RV just continue to back up? Into it just, the site it and, just pulls right over the top of them and doesn't stop. I don't think it works I, like that. I don't know. Does it, does it sense that there's an RV there? And then it says, Jason, you have picked a site that's already been booked. Please confirm this is how you would like me well, to listen, proceed. KOA is already experimenting with some of this technology. They're actually doing things where they can work with an app on your phone to help guide you to your site. I think so you, that's cool. you pull up, you check in, maybe it uses near field communication to automatically check you in. And then the app gives you directions with arrows to take you to your site in the campground. Be really handy in the dark. Here's my question. And I'm just sort of. I realize that I am playing sort of devil's advocate to everything that you say. Here's my biggest question with all of these self-driving, you know, just ask and thou shalt receive sort of ideas. What do I do? What do I do as technology continues to do everything for me? See, well, that's the what thing. What do I do Here's my with thing. my life? This is like, my thing about technology. People... People always think that technology is going to make things easier. And it does often, but what it often also ends up doing is just frees you up to do other things. Technology fills the space that is available. I understand that part of it. I'm talking about myself. Well, what I'm saying what for yourself, I you'd do? be working. <laughs> you know, like, well, that's the thing. you're world, like, yes. yeah, you'd be working or you'd be cleaning, you know, whatever, you know, what? And, but, and I'm not talking about you. I'm saying Roomba, anybody. Roomba's going to clean for me, Jason. <laughs> like, this is the, this is what I'm talking about. So I've got Jerry driving my car. I've got, you know, KOA Alexa bringing me firewood. I've got Roomba cleaning my house. And I've essentially at this point, I'm just grub hubbing my meals. It's like I just it's hard for me to imagine I don't want to just go and work, but I mean, these are things I think that for a lot of people, we hold on to them. We don't want to give them up because they're things in a way that we enjoy doing. And I know that we could still do them. We don't have to use the technology, but it's hard to not when it becomes constant with everybody around you. 
you get to a point where you don't almost have a choice but to use it. So for me, it's just like I this idea that, you know, humans, we we create with our minds and our hands and we are innovative individuals. And when you start taking all of that away from us and having a machine do it for us, like I just I don't what am I left with? Well, the people working on this exhibit uh, with KOA recognize that most people actually aren't looking for super high tech campground. They're looking to get connected closer with the outdoors and they're looking for their campgrounds to be more eco-friendly and they're looking for the experience to be as relaxing as possible. So the campground of the future doesn't need to just be technologically enhanced. Some of the things they're talking about that are going to be in this exhibit, one of the things they're already they're already doing, one, one of the big KOAs has a massive solar sail that is you know it's like a pergola with tons of solar panels covering many rv sites that kind of stuff ways to power the campground without using fossil fuels permeable pavement so the water can go right through the pavement and feed the ground aquifers properly but also the campground doesn't flood what if what if the campsites what if they just felt more natural what if they had more green space in the common areas. Those are all questions I really get behind yeah. and ideas that I really get behind. And I think that all of those other ideas about technology, those are really cool. And I do not doubt that those are coming. I want to see there be a balance though. And I yeah. hope that with all of those new modern and shiny ideas that we also remember what the heart of camping and the outdoors is about, and that is the outdoors and being able to, you know, harness the power of the sun and to sort of just really embrace the land and try to make camping as much a part of the land that you're visiting as possible, I think is a wonderful idea. I love all of those ideas. There was something in the article where they talked about cabins that had glass floors or, you know, see-through floors. That you could then see, you know, would be raised up and you could see the land underneath you. Like over a stream or something. Yeah, Over the edge of a cliff, whatever it might be. I don't know if I could and, do something and over and the edge of a cliff. They were saying campsites as well. <laughs> yeah. I just think all of that's great. It's bringing you closer, closer to your environment in a sustainable, responsible way. Because that is also really, really important. But you know what I, I got from this article that I worked on? And I, I've talked with a few of the representatives from KOA that are working on this uh, when I put this article together. And, you know, part of it is that these commercial campgrounds are realizing that people are just really wanting the nature experience. They want the outdoor experience. It sounds to me a lot like they want these commercial campgrounds to feel a little bit more like some of the nicer national park and state park campgrounds that are out there. And those will be the places that I always gravitate to. That is not to say that for some, a campground is just a really all inclusive. I don't want to leave the campground kind of experience. But when we were coming to Dallas, we passed this Jellystone. <laughs> I know we passed this Jellystone that was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It 
makes some of the water parks, major water parks in this country, like gives them a run for their money. It had anything and everything you could think of. It had to have been acres upon acres upon acres. It was huge. It was like the Disneyland of jelly stones. And and we would definitely go there. I would straight <laughs> no, up. No knock on that at all. No, but and I, I have one. That is not my campground of the future. That is not what I want to see when I go camping. That's me personally. That is something I might want to go to every once in a while. But I'll be honest, if I want that experience, I'm just going to go get the real thing at Disney. I, you know, I'm sorry. If I want that kind of camping experience, I'm going to go to Disney. I want a camping experience. And I want this from more of our private campgrounds that brings me back to the reason I'm coming there, like the environment around of which they have built a campground. I don't want to go and stand in line to go down a water slide that's, you know, I don't know, however many stories tall. But your kids do. No, they don't. Our kids are terrified of water slides. <laughs> okay, well, they, the short water slides. <laughs> Our they kids wouldn't do half the things that a jelly stone. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we always have to look at this too in the, in the lifestyle that we lead and and the, and the fact that there are people that want different and there's room for different types of campgrounds for all different types of people. Yes, sir. There out is there. And uh, and I would love to go there for a weekend. I wouldn't spend, you know, a two week vacation at a place like that and spend that kind of money when I'm when I'm planning. You know, that's the kind of place you go when you're only going to be at the campground and the campground is the destination. Yep. In uh, most places we go, the campground is where we stay. And we explore the area around, but it's great if the campground is like within an area where you can get on trails or, or, you know, do other sort of nature activities. That's just us. And I don't have any issue with someone who wants to go to the Disney Jellystone that we passed. I have no issue with that whatsoever. I'm just being honest about myself as a traveler because there's really nothing else I can be. I can't draw from anybody else's experience but my own. And my own experience is, as you've said, that sounds great for a weekend, but that is not who I am as a camper. And sometimes I worry that who I am as a camper and who others have expressed that they are as well, that we're kind of getting left behind as these campgrounds of the future become shinier, bigger, more amenities, more glamping. And I just, you know, that's not me. And so I, it, I, it's a hard balance for me. It's yeah. just a hard balance. I mean, and this is what I, what I put at the end of this article too, is just that, you know, campgrounds would be wise to consider what a lot of RVers are looking for. And that's spacious, flat sites, clean restrooms, top-notch customer service and affordable prices. Absolutely. All right. If you uh, if you have any ideas about the campground of the future, we've got a thread going on in the RV Miles Facebook group. If you want to check that out and join in on the fun there. Uh, Otherwise, you can check this article out, which I'll link to in the show notes as well. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Site just outside of the San Antonio area. We'll be right back.
are back to talk about the Texas White House, the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park. But before we do, this segment is sponsored by Harvest Host. If you're looking for great locations to boondock for a night or two across the country, nearly a thousand locations at farms, wineries, museums, places where you can overnight with wonderful views and great activities, check out Harvest Host at harvesthost.com. You can get 15% off their annual membership with the code RV Miles. It's a program that all sorts of RV owners are really loving. They've they've gained a whole lot of members in the last few months. The program is expanding like crazy. It really is, and it's only going to get bigger. And I think maybe in the next you know couple weeks or so, we're hoping to have Joel from Harvest Host on, so he can just kind of tell us. First off, he has a really great story that I want him to tell and I don't want to give it away, but I want him to tell it. And then also just, they have a lot of stuff on the horizon. And I know that in the beginning of, you know, at the end of the year, they raised their prices, but I think because they also adjusted, you know, the discount is a little bit bigger. Now they're trying to really justify why they needed to do that price increase. So it's a great time to jump on board. They've got so much going on, you know, 15% off with RV miles as your coupon code. And we'll link to it in the show notes, but you can just head over to harvesthost.com as well and check out everything they've got. All right, let's talk about the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Site. This is another example of national park service sites that I go to not kind of with a lower expectation and not in a bad way. I don't mean that rude. Well, the I don't presidential mean that. sites can be bigger, smaller, they're hit or miss. You don't really know what yeah, you're going to get. No disrespect to LBJ. I just didn't realize how much of him was inside this park in the sense of who he is as an individual from childhood up. I just I sort of assumed that this was going to be the home he lived in during the presidency. And that's on me. I didn't do my homework. Well, we didn't really plan on going here and we just kind of on a whim decided to do it. We did. And part of that was because it was about a 50 mile drive from where we were camping. And we had said, no, we're not going to go. That's a little far to drive. And then one day I said to you, I said, we're 50 miles from a national park service site. We should go, you know, it's not only is it our responsibility as parents road schooling our children on the road to give them as many opportunities as possible, but also because of our involvement with America's national parks podcast and by involvement, I mean, because we are America's national parks podcast gives us a chance to perhaps learn about a story we didn't know. And Dang it, you know, I just wanted another magnet from Wanderbus. <laughs> so we did. We made the drive. We made the drive twice, actually. We That's did. How we much went we out twice. It. Now, before we get into this, I want to say, you know, we mentioned the 300, the old 300 barbecue restaurant on last week's episode. We probably should have mentioned that on this week's episode because it's actually a little closer to to this site. Yeah, I really wish we had not driven out there to eat. <laughs> Literally, we just drove out there to eat that barbecue and then came home. And if we had been classic Epperson's, you know, if we had looked at that map and planned that a little bit better, we could have actually gone out to LBJ and then stopped and had barbecue on the way home and saved us a little bit of driving time. But I also want to mention that the old 300 barbecue restaurant is in 
Blanco, Texas, as we have been corrected, not Blanco, Texas. Blanco. Now, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know about your Spanish and your Mexican heritage. Why are we calling this place Blanco? Whoa. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> you, sir, who is from Milan, and it is spelled M I. L-A-N. And in my world, that is Milan and it is in Italy. Do not get to throw shade at Texas because they don't say Blanco. But it's in Texas. I mean, this is Illinois. Milan, Illinois. Come on. (laughs) Okay. Well, look, the different the the miles between Milan, Italy and Milan, Illinois are are vast. Blanco. Texas, Blanco, Texas, and the Mexican border, the miles aren't quite so fast. I'm just saying. Especially since Texas was part of Mexico at one time. Okay. Yes. But I'm just saying, look, people who live in cities built on glass houses. (laughs) All right. Of Italian architects (laughs) should not throw pebbles at Texas. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> Remember the Alamo, Jason. Okay. Or is it the Alamo? I. <laughs> Please direct all emails about this section of the podcast to attention Jason Epperson. Thank you very much. All right. The Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park. There are two areas in this park. And we did. So there's the Johnson City Settlement area. And then 14 miles away is the LBJ Ranch, which is in Stonewall. We did the ranch first. And I think if we had to do it over again, we might have swapped those. But yeah. it didn't totally matter. No, I don't think it matters. I think for me and the way my brain works and the way I like to see things laid out, I would have swapped them because what's in Johnson City is his boyhood home as well as the settlement of his grandparents who arrived in the area in the 1860s, long before Johnson was born. So chronologically, it makes more sense to go to Johnson City first and then go to the ranch. But in regards to what you learn and how you learn it or how you interact with the spaces, it doesn't really matter. I just I like things in chronological order. If you want to if you're one of those people that wants to go to a visitor center first, uh, I think it's best to go to the Johnson City Settlement because first you're going to go there to the National Park Service Visitor Center. From the Visitor Center, there is about a mile long walking trail. And you if you can't walk a mile. Well, it's a half um, mile to the settlement and then it's a half mile back. Yeah, it's a mile and it kind of makes a big like it makes a P loop. shape. So yeah. you could you could maybe cut a little bit of, of it off. Um but this area is still worthwhile if you can't do that. But but the trail takes you back to the Johnson settlement where Abby entered her happy place <laughs> where the 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 president's grandparents grandparents uh, settled his paternal grandparents, I believe. And there you're going to get to see uh, a log cabin, old farmhouse. It's old timey. Here's OK. Let me talk about this because I feel like. I absorbed this a little bit more (laughs) than you did. So what's super cool about this is right before you enter onto their settlement land, there is a sign that says it's it's a caution sign almost that says you are entering in a historically into a historically accurate 
area and it could be dangerous for you because we're not putting away any of the stuff that they used that we no longer use anymore. And it was really, really cool because it was like, you're going to go back in time and you have to cross over this bridge. And I told the kids, I was like, we're going back in time. Like when you cross the bridge, we're in a settlement in the 1860s. So you do, you cross over this bridge and you go onto their land and they have their home that's there. They have their barn, farm equipment out in the barn. You can actually go up to a wagon and touch it. It's got the old leather on it. It's got LBJ stamped into it. Yeah, it's just, it's really neat. It's very, now you can't go inside their home. You can look through plexiglass into the home, but you can't go inside of it, but you can walk on the, up onto the porch and um, LBJ's daughter, if you press the button, is going to, she is going to come alive over the speakers and she is going to tell a story about her grandparents and their time there on that ranch and why they moved back into the city, essentially. It's a wild story. It's a wild story. And she, uh, she is so animated I mean, I was really impressed. I was like, give this woman an Oscar. You might have to put that on. We have to get that audio to put on the podcast. I would love if we could get that audio because it is really fascinating. And she does tell it with so much heart. It's very loud. I think they could maybe bring the volume down a bit. (laughs) But I really got kind of just absorbed into the story. And I, you know, you're looking around and it's about the place you're standing on. So you can look at what she's talking about. There's a beautiful, beautifully huge tree on the property as well that you can go over to. Um, Just it's it's and it's a working farm. I do believe in some respects, you know, there are horses there. There are bulls. Do not approach them. It's not a good idea to try and take a picture of a bull up close. So I didn't get that close. I mean, come on. I was still an arm's length away from the fence. We look, we had this conversation on the settlement. Okay. I walked, I walked away. I said, I'm walking away from you and I'm taking the children. We're walking away from what you're doing right now. Anyway, you go (laughs) through this, this trail and you get to see all these areas of the settlement. And then it takes you on a big loop and, and you're back towards the visitor center across the street from the visitor center is Johnson's boyhood home, uh, which is also another little farm home and you can tour it. They do free tours for while we were there, it was on the half hour and it's about a half hour long tour. It was on the half hour and the hour. Yeah. And and you and the ranger takes you through the home and it's it's very open and accessible. It's a small home, but it's really interesting to to be able to see where where he grew up. There's a baseball glove laying on his bed still. Yeah, he lived there, I think, from the time he was about four or five. I'm not sure how long it was. I don't remember, but I know that he moved there when he was a young boy and most of his childhood was spent there. So when you finish this area, then you can take the 14 mile drive over to Stonewall where the LBJ ranch is. And this is a property that was in his family for a very long time. And this became his home while he was in Congress. And this, it had been added to over the years and expanded and, and then was also his home while he was a president and the rest of his life and secret service improvements, a runway was put in all kinds of stuff. And it's called the Texas white house because president Johnson really spent a lot of time here and brought lots of world leaders to Texas because he, he really 
felt his ranch roots were important to his presidential style. I think that they said something like he spent 25% of his presidency. They also talked about, and I find this really fascinating from a 21st century perspective, that they installed 70 or 80 telephones in the house because that's how important a phone was for President Johnson in regards to how he managed being the president of the United States. There there that, are photos of him in, in the pool on the phone. I mean, that to me is incredible. That, really? you know, it's all. And I think the equivalent is today is the computer. Yeah. The computer or even text messaging, email. You know, if you think about how many hours you and I set in front of, you know, our email. So this is, it's a little weird over here, right? Because this area is sort of co-ran by the National Park Service and the state of Texas. So you actually, when you go to the LBJ Ranch area, you first have to go to another visitor center that is the State Park Visitor Center. And here you get, you can watch a film. There's a, there's about a 20 minute film that is, that was a news program from the sixties following president Johnson himself. And you get a permit to drive through the property. And once you actually get on the property, it's national park service property, but you have to deal with the Texas state park first for some reason. Once you drive out, out of that visitor center and it's a nice little visitor center, the first thing you go to is a schoolhouse uh, where President Johnson, a walking distance from from the home that he would live on in later, was trained in. And there are photos of him actually signing an education bill with his grade school teacher outside of this old one room schoolhouse. And it's pretty cool. You know, I didn't realize about President Johnson just how um, instrumental he was in some of the educational reform that we all still benefit from today. As well as for you and I personally, because of some of the advancements he made in the arts. Yeah. Really allowed us to, I think, have the kind of careers that we have had in the arts, you know, and have the kind of access that we do have to the performing arts that our children have had to the performing arts. I didn't realize or if I did, it was just a piece of information that I had lost a long time ago. Just how. It's because of him, not just how instrumental it is because of his presidency that the National Endowment for the Arts exists, that, you know, public television exists, that Head Start exists. For me, that was a big takeaway from our time there. And we really learned that that a lot of that came from his mother as well, because his mother was a a rarity, a, a college graduate in, you know, the early 20th century. And yeah, um, she taught debate classes yeah. on her front porch in their home in Johnson City to the neighborhood children. And I loved this little nugget that the ranger told us on that tour was that, you know, she was an educated woman who did not know anything about farm life and, and not to imply that people who know things about farm life are not educated. But I mean that that was not what she grew up learning about. She was going to school. She went on to college. That was her focus. And so but she ended up being a a farmer's wife. You know, this is one of the many things that, you know, President Johnson's father did to make a living was they farmed. And she didn't know anything about that, but she was responsible for so much of it. And 
she would teach these children on her front porch and she would give them debate lessons or, or whatever it was in exchange for them going and doing some of the chores and responsibilities that she had around the farm. And I just thought brilliant. that that was brilliant. And it just got me thinking, well, what are some things I can get? <laughs> what can we bribe kids with? <laughs> what do I have that I can offer my children that will get them to go and do my responsibilities? <laughs> anyway, once you once you do the little schoolhouse, uh, you then enter the ranch property and you, you're on a driving tour of the big ranch property. And it is still a working ranch. That was one of the things President Johnson wanted it to continue to be a working ranch because farm life and conservation were really important to him. So they've kept his herd of cattle, uh, his Hereford cattle, the, the, the bloodline still continues and they raise them there on the ranch and you can see those and you're driving right through them. I mean, no fences or anything. They're just right up there next to your your vehicle. Yeah, or sometimes they're in the road <laughs> and you're it, waiting for It's kind of like anymore. driving through the bison at yeah, Yellowstone. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and, and as you tour around the ranch, there's all kinds of signage that you can read a, about some different things about ranch life and conservation that were important to President Johnson. But when you end the big circle tour of the ranch, you end at, at the home. And right outside the home, the first thing is Air Force One. The first thing the kids ran for, too, was <laughs> right. just to be close to an airplane, and get to go up and, and look inside of it. They just thought that was yeah. the best. And from what I understand from somebody in our National Parks group, this is a pretty unique plane. It's a small plane. It's not a big 747 like like the Air Force Ones are are today. Uh, and there were only a few of these made. And it's you get to peek into the cockpit area. You sort of walk in the front, uh, the door. And you can turn back and look into the cabin. You can turn forward and look into the cockpit. And then, and then you walk and out. And then you get down. <laughs> uh, then you enter. Then there's right there. There's another National Park Service visitor center. And uh, so if you don't end up making the Johnson City track, you can visit the visitor center here and pick up junior ranger programs and stuff like that. Here you can get a tour of the Texas White House. Now, they used to let people in the house and tour them through the house. They don't do that right now because there has been some damage. The house is really, really old and it's not holding up very well. So what they do now is they take you on a tour of the outside of the house, which doesn't sound like much. You know, you're just walking around a house, but it actually, it was a nice tour. It was a very nice tour and the grounds are very beautiful and the pool is, is really cool to get to see. They keep the pool clean and, sure and working even though nobody can swim in it. <laughs> <laughs> but it still looks good. And it was a very enjoyable tour. It's short. I think 15, 20 minutes tops. The boys lasted through it just fine. The Junior Ranger program, I'll speak to that for a few seconds, is a great Junior Ranger program for what they're learning about. And it really does a nice job of giving you an overview, a child's overview of what Lyndon B. Johnson did as president, some of what his duties were. I think that for us, because this doesn't have much to do with the Junior Ranger program, but prior to going to the ranch, we had read allow, you know, three hours to do all of this tops. And maybe we're just different um, National Park visitors. That was not at all. We were there for the whole day. 
We know. were at the ranch for the whole day and we, we were. were in the Johnson City settlement for a half day. So we spent a good day and a half. We did. And that's why we had to break it up. They were really essentially saying that you could do both in about three to four hours. Yeah. And we didn't find that to be true. Now, of course, that could be true for some. We didn't find that to be true because, you know, we just kind of wanted to really get as much as we could and learn as much as we could from both spaces and take our time. And so if you find yourself in that area, you might be able to do it in three and four, you know, three to four hours. But we did take our junior ranger books home and finish them there and then go over to Johnson City because we had a few things we had to do there in order to finish the junior ranger booklet. So that is something to consider. If you're going to do the booklet, you have to go to both places. And you may be able to do them both in one day, but you might want to get there in the morning and not show up in the afternoon. Yeah, because they close at uh, one closes at 430 and the other closes at five. So they don't stay open very late. Uh, But you will be pressed for time, I think, especially over in Johnson City because of being able to walk to the settlement and because, you know, with his boyhood home, those things just take a little bit of time. So if you have the space to do this in two days, I think you will enjoy it more. It's sort of like, you know, petrified forest national park. Like we wish that we had had more than just a day there. Yeah. So, and this is, you know, I'm glad we were able to do two days at this as well. And there's other things. There's like, there's his collection of cars, um, his amphibious car, which is really cool. Yeah. Henry really <laughs> loved that. That was his favorite part of the whole day there. And then there's another house, the house he was born in, which is a reconstruction, but it's a reconstruction that, that he did. And, just and their graveyard is there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You and can't, buried there. Yeah. You can't walk into it. It's closed off, but it is there is a parking lot right next to it. And he is just very unceremoniously buried. And it's just it's really lovely. Um, just, you know, how important that ranch and the, the family was to them. If you uh, if you are in a motorhome without you're not towing a vehicle behind you. You can do both of these sites in a motorhome. There's parking for for bigger RVs. You won't be able to stop at as many places on the driving tour. You'll kind of just be able to do the driving tour and and park at the ranch home. But it's it's doable, I think, for sure, in, in an RV. Yeah, don't be discouraged. You should go. So we really enjoyed our experience at the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park. And we hope you'll check it out as well. If you're in the area, Hill Country is beautiful. We hear this year the wildflowers are going to be amazing because of all the the rain that that, that has happened this year. So we're going to miss them. Yeah, we're not going to be here for it, but we're glad to hear it's going to be a good season. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. You're on your way to visit your grandma who lives at the end of the valley. It's her birthday. And you want to give her cakes you've made. You probably have like a little red cape on too. And a little, little basket. Right, a little red riding hood. <laughs> Between your house and her house, you have to cross seven bridges. And as it goes in the land of make-believe, there's a troll under every bridge. Each troll, quite rightly, insists that you pay a troll toll. Before you can cross their bridge, you have to give them half of the cakes you are carrying. But as they are kind trolls, they give you back a single cake. How many cakes do you have to leave home with to make sure that you arrive at grandma's with exactly two cakes? This is too much math. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) 
If you know the answer, send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com or contact us on any of our social media and you might win a Not All Who Wonder Are Lost t-shirt. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up for this episode because there is an eight-year-old out there that really wants me to go play Catan with him. (laughs) Good luck with that. I did it last (laughs) night and it was like an hour and a half long. He is so into this game right now. So I have a really wild Friday night ahead of me. (laughs) But before I go and do that, thank you all so much, as always, for listening. If you are enjoying the show, you know we would love a five-star review over on Apple Podcast iTunes, even if you're not listening to us there. It just helps get us in front of more people. And of course, if you have any suggestions for topics or feedback, you can find us over at editor at rvmiles.com, or you can just shoot us a DM across social media until next week. Have a great week. Hopefully it'll be a little bit warmer for you than it is for us at the moment and keep logging those RV miles, everybody. Bye. Bye.